Welcome on back into the Sling Sports Podcast with your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, we are, you know, doing this a little unorthodox uh, since we've been back to, to Syracuse. Uh, yeah, we're back to the Zoom for the day. Um, I had a, a close friend, uh, a girlfriend even, who tested positive for COVID and then just tested negative, but who knows if she's positive or not. So we're keeping our distance. We're doing our part, um, even though it's February 2023. Been doing this for three years, but still got to do our part. Um, we're here over Zoom, but it's still good to hear you. Good to hear your voice. Doing the right thing, but always, you know, we're always providing content for the, for our lovely listeners out there. You know, we never we never miss a beat, except for a couple of those breaks that we took, but they were needed. Um, yes. <laughs> we're back, though. We're back. We're We're one week away from having this podcast out for a year it's a big milestone and well i mean i want to save the whole gushing over it for next week but it's it's very exciting yeah we might have to plan in advance get some party hats some cake a couple of noisemakers okay i I mean cake would be great cake would be great we should plan on a cake do you have a favorite flavor of cake um i'm more of a vanilla cake guy um but oh marble cake um I think I don't know. Ice cream cake is also great. Everyone loves ice cream cake. I feel like I feel ice like that's cream a very cake is easy, a great answer. It's a very easy sell for everyone. Is you know when yeah. whenever you're at a party, the safe bet is let me buy ice cream cake. How about yeah. you? Um, I like a. Do you have Carvel in Pennsylvania and Scranton? You ever mm-hmm. heard of that? Maybe it's called something else. But okay. Well, it's I don't a, know. It's a it's an ice cream company. Um, and they have okay, like the okay. obvious like shop where you get hard ice cream, soft serve and everything, but they make these cakes as well. Um, and they make an ice cream cake and they have these things called crunchies and they're little like chocolate cookie crumbles. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. And I love it. That is my favorite ice cream cake, a Carvel cake. I had one for my 17th birthday. The awesome. one, so the ones that we have in Pennsylvania, it's like, it'll be vanilla ice cream. And then you'll have like that cookie crumble in between, yeah. like kind of splitting it off. And then you have chocolate ice cream. So you have so all, all like all these different flavors in it. So good. So maybe we'll have to get a Carvel cake for next week. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough talk about the cake. We're gonna go on to our highlights of the week. And Wally, would you like to start us off? What's been what's been going on in your life? Yeah, I will. Um, I'll do my highlight of the week for something that's upcoming this weekend, assuming that uh, all goes well in the COVID world and well, ends up happening. Before you say it, if if it is what it is, then I gotta say this is also my highlight. Yes. Uh. On Friday night, we're going to be doing a, a trivia night, a bit of a trivia tournament with uh, the two of us, as well as a number of other friends with team names and uniforms. Um, I'm really excited for it. I haven't done trivia in a really long time. Yeah. Um. So there's Barstool has this show on their their net or their YouTube, I guess you could say. Um. It's called The Dozen, and they made a card game associated with it. I I purchased that card game last week. Uh. So it was a limited run. Um. So now. I, I had the idea. Let's let's have a trivia night. Let's get some teams together, start facing off head to head and see who who's got the most the most brains in the group. Uh, yeah, it's bound to be a fun night, hoping everything stays as planned and, you know, all this COVID stuff ends up being all right. But I can't wait. Regardless, we'll, we could we're going to postpone it. It'll happen at some point. I don't care. We're doing this 100 percent. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. Well, with that being said, we're going to go into some speedy slings, some quick headlines here. We're going to start off. We got Novak Djokovic and Ariana Sablanka. I apologize for the pronunciation of the name. Jeez, I can't even get that out. Um, But both of them winning the Australian Open in the singles matches. Djokovic obviously being men's. Ariana, I'm just going to say her first name, uh, winning the women's singles. uh, Very big achievement there. Yeah, and two players that are on the opposite ends of their tennis career spectrum. Djokovic, that was win number 93 for major titles in singles. Well, Sabalenka um, dropped her first set, fought back, won the next two to get her first major singles title. She's won a couple in doubles. Um, this is the first one in singles. Huge uh, honor for her. Congratulations to her. And, of course, Djokovic as well. Um, just It's kind of expected with him now. Win number 93, of yeah. course. He's got 20-something Grand Slam titles. It's what he does. It's another day at the office for him. And the Australian Open, this is just the start. I mean, this is the first one of the major tennis tournaments to start off the year. Soon they'll have the U.S. Open. There's plenty more to come with that. Um, so both of these both of these tennis players, a lot more to fight for this year. Uh, we've got Max Homa winning the Farmers Insurance Open, one of the big golf tournaments leading up to the Masters, getting some of that practice in. 
Yeah, uh, you're much more the golf guy than I am. I can probably name about three <laughs> golf golfers uh, in the country, in the world even maybe. Um, I don't know a whole lot about golf, but uh, good for Max Homa. You got something to say about him? Uh, well, it was, I believe it was, he is one of only six golfers, I think, to win more than six, uh, which, uh, six tournaments in the last year. Um, him and Rory McIlroy being, being some of those and Rory being the best golfer in the world right now. Um, the way that he's playing, uh, very big honor for Homa. And I mean, that should give him traction going into the masters coming up in April, which is the first of the majors, obviously that'll be coming up. Um, but this weekend there's the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, uh, which I'll talk about later, not with specific golfers, but just in general. Uh, but that's another big one. Um, Jordan Spieth is a guy to watch out for in that match. <clears throat> I know Jordan Spieth. I know you've got the nice Spieth hat. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big Jordan Spieth guy, big Jordan Spieth guy. Yeah. Uh, going on to some WNBA news. And actually with this, we also want to say happy girls and women's in sports day, February 1st. Um, a very great day in sports, but today was the WNBA's um, free agency opening and Brianna Stewart, former WA, WNBA MVP, going to the New York Liberty, leaving Seattle. Yeah, uh, the one, she won the 2018 MVP. Um, I was doing a little bit of research into her because I remember her playing at UConn um, and I knew she was a dominant player there. But if you go to her player profile on UConn's website, and look at her accolades for all four years that she was there. It's insane. She's a video game. She was a video game at UConn. She still is a video game. Um, and one of the biggest free agency moves in WNBA history. And so. she's being she's pairing herself with one of the best young stars in in the WNBA and in, in uh, Sabrina Ionesca. Um, it's going to be insane having who is, the, the the duo in in New York who was hyped on Twitter, uh, Ionesca, made it very clear that she was excited to have Stuart with her. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, National Girls and Women's in Sports Day today, another huge thing that uh, Brianna Stewart was doing um, during free agency that I really liked is she was focusing on charter air travel. It was a key factor in her free agency while discussing with teams, are they able to afford it? How? What are their thoughts on it? She thinks it's huge for players' mental health and their performance. Um, and on today of all days, great for equality in sports, um, closing the gender gap, getting women the same opportunities that men have in sports. I um, do want to ask if you know this, because I personally do not. Is she like basically the head of the WNBA Players Association? Like, is she does she lead that or did that have anything to do with the, the charter air travel that she was talking about? I didn't know if you got that far into your research. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure about that in that regard, but I know that she's one of the main voices of the WNBA. When you're a superstar, you're going to garner respect. Yeah. And yeah, when course. she wants something, obviously, the players will listen to you. The coaches, the general managers, the entire league will take notice. Um, Very... So hopefully her factoring that in will be the first step to getting that, getting that charter air travel. Very much having a lot of respect for her around the league and finding her new home in the great state of New York. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we're going to go to the NHL and Boston on a three-game slide, which we have not seen them do at all this year. And this is right before the All-Star break coming up this weekend. Yeah, and I think they're kind of looking forward to the break a little bit early uh, would be my guess. We see that a lot with teams um, looking towards the future, kind of backing their way into the break. We see it with teams backing their way into the playoff as well. Um, three game slide, as you said, started by the lightning. Um, congratulations to, yeah, it was, boys. it was, a, it was a great win. I loved that. The end of that matchup. Um, I loved being able to take down Boston. Obviously I've said this multiple times. We're not gonna be able to catch them in that Atlantic division, but it's great to get a win over them. And, you know, just, I mean, anyone getting a win over them right now is great. Yeah. And they also, within their three game losing streak, they lost to Carolina. Not only did they lose, they got skunked four to one. It was a matchup of the two best records in the NHL. Um, and obviously all the focus is on Boston, and it should be. They're on a historic pace right now. But Carolina, man, 33-9-8, and 74 points. They've opened up a 12-point lead in the division. And they're on a, a six-game win streak as well right now, um, getting some breathing room um, over the Rangers uh, and the Devils, obviously. We talked about them a number of times this year. Uh so they're they're playing extremely great hockey right now. Their their break has already started. There's only two matchups today, and they are neither of them. Um, so I mean, a great way to go into the All Star break. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what you want to be doing, the opposite of Boston, but we're primed for another great 30, 30 games or so um, in the second half of the season. Be great. Yeah, uh, speaking of you know the rest of those games, Dallas and Winnipeg, talking about the Central Division, um, those two right on each other's necks, uh, kind of battling for a Central Division that nobody really thought was going to be open with Colorado in there. Yeah, and we've talked time and time again about the Colorado Avalanche this entire season, gassing them up, the expectations. They haven't lived up to those expectations this year. So instead, let's talk about the teams that are performing well in that division. And I'll start off with Dallas. Number one guy, Jason Robertson, getting it done. He's 23 years old. It's his third year in the league. Um, he's got more than tw nearly 20 more points than anyone else on the team. So he's carrying the team on his back. Tied for the sixth most points in the NHL with 66. And quite frankly, he's been under the radar his entire career um, since he broke into the league in 2020. He's been averaging more than a point per game um, in three entire seasons. He's been a phenomenal player. And on top of that, for Dallas, the goaltending has been superb. They're giving up the second least goals in the NHL at 2.57 per game. The only team that's giving up less is Boston, obviously, who's giving up 2.12, which is just insane that the gap between first and second is half a goal. I, we talk about Boston Wild. too much, but insane insane that they're putting up those numbers and you look at dallas they've got they're tied for the second best goal differential with plus 40 um tied with the devils and obviously boston sitting at plus 78 um in that goal differential category but just insane. insane what dallas is doing right now with such a young team and you know we haven't really talked about them much and the central has kind of gone under the radar and as a whole um i think that's going to be one of the most competitive divisions going into the the end of this season and who knows these teams because they're they're battling they're getting into these close matchups um they could be a problem going into the playoff as well 100% and the other team that you mentioned in that central with Winnipeg a couple of guys getting major production Kyle Connor top 15 score in the NHL in terms of points and the big guy Josh Morrissey one of the most productive defenders in the game this year 53 his 53 points are the third most in the entire NHL among defensemen. And we're not talking about it. And I'm on the East Coast here on the East Coast. So we're probably not going to be as in touch with the Canadian hockey world. But these guys are putting up all-star numbers, strong goaltending, much like their counterpart in Dallas. 920 safe percentage is the fifth best in the league. Um, I just like shining these lights. Uh, you do as well, because we focus on the big name teams, obviously. So these teams that are performing well, these players that are performing well, um, showcasing some of the numbers that they're putting up. It's nice. And Winnipeg, you know, getting going into the break, obviously we've talked about it. They don't have their next matchup until the 11th of February. So they've got some time off, some time to recoup. They're going to get right back into it and they're going to be ready to come charging for that first spot. Um, everyone's going to be battling out in that central division. And like you said, obviously we don't tend to, to follow a lot of these Western conference teams because of, the time difference, a lot of them being in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. And really, like we said, just flying under the radar. Um, but they they deserve some light. We'll see what happens. Um, I think that's going to be a division to watch. We'll be able to see some of their players this weekend in the All-Star game, which will be a fun, fun time. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of competitive hockey, which we say every single week, but just all of these divisions battling it out, except for basically the Atlantic, which is already wrapped up, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move on to NCAA men's basketball. And of course, we're going to start with the Syracuse Orange uh, talking about yet another disappointing performance. And this is three in a row. They're on a three game skid losing to Virginia after being up, I believe, five with about three minutes left in the game. And now you got to say their tournament hopes are in the gutter. Yeah. And every opportunity well we were there for the unc game as well last week we talked about it plenty but those were two games where the home crowd got into it gave them a chance opportunity for a statement win even if unc isn't in the top 25 but uva ranked number six in the country it was a huge chance for the orange to put themselves back on the map after finishing under 500 last year amazing opportunity and they couldn't get it done once again um which is just disappointing at this point and and they have a young core. Um, you know, we knew that it was going to take them time to to settle back in. But when you're you have you have a unique home court advantage when you're when you're in the Carrier Dome. You have a place that houses more than any other college basketball Nothing stadium like it. in Nothing the country. Like 
and the student section erupts, especially on a on a Monday night having a student section like that is insane. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Um, but really, it comes down to discipline, and it comes down to, uh, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities. They had four free throws at the end of the game, and I think they went one for four. Yeah. Uh, that is a big miss. Um, also something that I want to talk about, Benny Williams absent on the bench, uh, was said he's taking a personal day, no clue what that means or what it can relate to. Uh, Jim Beheim kind of got into it with a student reporter after the game, might I add. Um, so we have no clue what's going on. What do you think this means for Jim Beheim going forward? I think it means Jim Beheim is untouchable still, unfortunately, and I think if he was any other coach, wasn't one of the most winningest coaches in college basketball history. I think uh, the athletic director at that school would be coming for him, getting ready to give him the boot. But because of him being so untouchable, he can basically do whatever he wants, which is a little disturbing to me, especially treatment of student journalists, any journalist period, but especially a student journalist, people who are like you and me. Um, I don't know when Bayheim will hang it up. I think it'll be a great day for the Orange to look towards the future in the modern landscape of basketball. I was going to say college basketball, but basketball period. Um, He still has pull in the recruiting world, obviously, but I don't really know at this point if it's him that has that pull or if it's just Syracuse University or, quite frankly, if it's Adam Weitzman who's bringing in guys like Elijah Moore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I'm I'm with you. I also – when you watch that game, the first four seconds, Chris Bell has a turnover. And, and he pulls him. And I don't think we saw him appear in the game until the second half. And that was huge. And there were yeah. moments there were moments where Joe Girard made all these mistakes and made a ton mm-hmm. of errors, which is a guy that I keep going back to and we talk about so much. A lot because, of people talk about him. Because there's so much that happened in that game that why doesn't he get the same treatment as a young player like Chris Bell when you're trying to you know, get that through their head. That's not a way to discipline your players and pull them. And it really served nothing except basically like killing his whole demeanor. And yeah. he's one of your best shooters on the team. And you didn't have him in that game when you were getting killed with the, with the three ball to, as well. Um, there was no way that they were like, they just could not capitalize at the end of the game. There was no shooting. Um, I don't know. The, there's too much to talk about with Syracuse. I don't want to. I don't want to spend the whole men's basketball section on them. Obviously, with our Syracuse bias, but just way too um, much. I I don't want to talk about Syracuse, but I do want to flip it over to Virginia because we did get to see the number six team in the country uh, in person, very close. Um, about well, air, number air six quotes, to the AP poll. Let me talk about them first before we start putting the air quotes around them. Um, my number one takeaway after watching them in person was that they are very much susceptible to defeat early in the tournament not alone not alone not like the elite eight or the final four early in the tournament the way that they play and we saw it obviously in 2018 umbc i don't want to live in the past tony bennett's malarkey they won the championship the year after whatever but the thing to me about this team compared to that 2019 is they don't have a number one guy to get them points like a lot of top 10 teams do when you look around at the entirety of college basketball, you look at Purdue, they have that number one guy, Zach Eady. Look at Houston, Marcus Sasser, Alabama, Brendan Miller. They have these guys that can get you a bucket. They have these guys that the team revolves around. UVA doesn't really have that. And you can say the leader is definitely Kihei Clark just because he was there. He's a graduate student. And he's, he was and there he's on the been there forever. 2019 team. But their leading scorer is Armand Franklin, who's averaging 13.1 points per game, didn't even lead the team in scoring in the game against Syracuse. Um, And we know the UVA style of play, efficient on offense, strong defense. That's what they do. They like to win these games 55 to 50. That's what their ideal is. Um, And their best comparison to a top team in all of college basketball would be Tennessee. But Tennessee is very different on the offensive side of the glass or on the offensive side of the court. Um, Tennessee's giving up 54 and a half points per game, which is the best in college basketball. And they're playing in the sec, but they're scoring 74.4 a game, which is only 124th in the country. It's not good, but they have a nearly 20 point point differential. Now you look at UVA, 
giving up 60.2, which is ninth in all of college basketball. Again, very impressive, but they're only scoring 70 and a half, which is tied for 204th. The shooting is not there. Like we, we know the key to beat UVA. You, they're on the wrong night. It's not going to happen. And on that 2019 team, they at least had guys who you could rely on. They had Kyle Guy. They had Ty Jerome. They had DeAndre Hunter. Obviously, they didn't evolve into that much at the next level. But they had people that you could rely on. And obviously, I only saw one game, and I see them on TV. And I'm not a diehard Cavs fan, Cavalier fan. Um, But I would be a little bit concerned. I would be scared of them. I would not be putting them in my Final Four. Maybe not even my Elite Eight when we get to March. Um, I mean, you talk about that defense, but I felt like on, on, uh, what was it Monday watching them live? It didn't even feel like they were a very strong defensive team, uh, all around fully. I think they're a very beatable team. If you have a good offense and, you know, again, they're playing in a very weak ACC, which we've said time and time again, this is probably the weakest the ACC has been in like five years or more. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's wild. And they're holding these teams, but I wouldn't trust them. I don't think they're a very good team. We talked about weak defenses last week with Charleston. We'll get right into that right now. Look at what happened to them. They only lasted one week in the top 25. Yeah, click in, click out, losing to Hofstra. That's a red flag. Um, I still think they're going to win the Colonial Athletic Association. It'll be pretty easy. They'll get their bid. But people are going to – I talk, we talked about it last week. People are going to look at them. They're going to be on the 10-11 line and say, oh, I got my sneaky upset pick. No, it's not going to work. They're, they're not Relying the pick. on offense is not going to work for a team that plays in the CAA. It doesn't compute in March. It just doesn't. It's not going to happen. And I said, even if they won out, there was no way I was picking them. Now I'm definitely not picking them after a loss to Hofstra. Um, why, why would, I don't know. They're still getting votes to be in the top 25. They should not be touching it after this. There's no way they should be even close. I think outside of the votes from the top 25, I think they rank 27th right now. Um, I think they were the second highest team receiving votes outside of the top 25. Um, No, please get them out of there, please. There's no reason for them to still be there. Um, Let's stop talking about Charleston. There's no, like, they're not going to do anything in the tournament. They were a storyline for one week, and then they got beat. That's it. (laughs) Bye-bye. You're gone. We'll see you in the tournament. You'll get mopped. Same old story. Let's move on. We've got Kansas getting revenge on the younger brother, Kansas State. You said last time you liked my older brother comparison, so I, I had to I had to bring it back. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I have to say, it's kind of expected that they're not. I don't think Kansas State's going to sweep Kansas in the Big Twelve this year. Um, that Big Twelve tournament is going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to be awesome. And I cannot I wait it. for it. And the one thing that I want to say here. I'm trying. I'm trying to limit my my fun facts, my history, my data. No, please don't. Get to, please don't. Oh, you're March. saying until we get there. Until we get. Yeah. There. Until until we get there. But I'll throw a little bone here regarding the Big Twelve, and this bone is that no team has ever lost their first conference tournament game and gone on to win the national championship. So there are going to be a lot of Big Twelve teams on the one, two, three, four, maybe five seed line. They're going to be trendy picks to win the national championship. And because of them being because of them being so many, because there's so many of them, when we get to that first weekend in March and the Big 12 tournament is happening, beware of a team that might lose in the first round just because of matchup, because there's so many good teams. Keep that in mind as we approach it. Yeah, I I mean it's it's gonna be a tough pick. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to end up coming down to the fact of what Big 12 teams do I wanna see. Which well, not do I want to see, but what ones do I believe in the most can obviously make the run. Um, but you're gonna have to look at that first that first uh, line of Big Twelve games, like you said, and, and I can't wait for that bloodbath. It's gonna be insane. By the way, that's since 1985 since the tournament expanded to 64 teams, and through all of my research, it's hard to find things that are consistent since 1985. Like insanely hard and it irritates me that there's nothing consistent with March Madness that is one of the few things that is consistent so keep it in mind again history can be made at any moment why not this year yeah I like to ride with data that's what you got to do well riding with data who who, who's going to come out on top with such an anomaly of college basketball 
Now, in terms of history, there's something wrong with just about every single team in the top 10. There are a couple that fit the bill dating back to 1985, which I'm going to focus on. There's more specific ones, trends in the last 15, 20 years. Um, No one is secretly perfect this year, but some are better than others. And I'll just quickly throw two things out for two teams that people are probably going to want to pick. Purdue, obviously, they're the number one team in the country, unanimous number one for the first time this season. A team that started the season unranked and entered the tournament as a one or two seed has never won the tournament since 1985. Same thing, every single tournament. That's Purdue. They were unranked. They're going to be a one seed. That has never happened, that a team has won the tournament. Food for thought there. And Houston, they're going to they're coming out of the American. And obviously, you and I have been bashing them. A lot of people have been bashing them because they're in a weak conference. More specifically, though, regarding Houston, the fewest number of teams from a national championship team's conference that has come out of that conference is three, ever. And currently in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, the AAC has two teams, Houston and one other. I don't even know who the other is. So that's never happened. Meaning even if Houston goes in as that one seed, they've got all the hype around them, they've got all the talent, they've got the coaching, they've got all the pieces. It hasn't happened. There needs to be at least three. And one of those instances was Louisville in 1986, I think, the second tournament ever um, with the 64 teams. And they were in the Metro Conference. Who knows what the Metro Conference is, period, which had seven teams in the entire conference. And yet three still made it out of those seven, made it into the tournament. Um, So I just want to throw those two out of the way. My point, three teams that I am comfortable with in terms of history. I don't want to get into the specifics of why. Throw my three teams out. Tennessee, Arizona, UCLA. Those are the three in the top 10 that history supports. As of Let's now. go Rocky Top. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. Sorry uh, for all the data. Sorry for all the words. Those three. Not going not to no, bother we, explaining it. Those we three. love it. That's what that's what SSP was built on is all the data. We, we talked about all the data last year. And we're going to do it again. Sure. Don't you worry. Uh, with that being said, we're going to go. Wait, with- wait, wait. Before, before oh, we get to it, I want to ask you. I want to ask you. Who, uh, who are you thinking? Tennessee. We, I was around February 1st. Okay, are you? Tennessee, yeah. All right. That's I, sure. I was saying, that's all I'm saying right now. Tennessee, though. That's it. Okay. Just making sure. We got we to gotta save. We gotta save. Let's go Rocky Top. Uh, with that being said, we're going to go into the halftime hustle. We're going to go into Drip of the Week. Wally, do you want to start us? Yeah, I will start us. And I'm going to do, I believe, the second, maybe the third ever, anti-Drip of the Week. Ooh, okay. And this is a infuriating anti-drip of the week and that is the empire state building for posting on sunday night after the philadelphia eagles won the nfc championship shining their lights in green and white in honor of the eagles nfc championship victory i didn't understand that why did they do that no clue no clue at all and the weirdest part was dave portnoy the president founder whatever his official title is of barstool he um, said something, and, they, and then they said something about it, like him and crying. And then the Empire State Building, the a Twitter account, uh, quote tweeted it with a video of Dave Portnoy crying. Um, and then the Empire State Building changed it to the Chiefs red and white when the Chiefs won the AFC Championship. And I just hate it. You're New York. Come on, get it together. Um, it's disgusting being a Giants fan. Obviously, I hate the Eagles, but any team, do better. Why are you doing that? There's no reason to do that. Yeah, that was dumb. And I, I didn't understand why they did that. Um, mine, I'm going to stick with the NFC AFC Championship uh, weekend. And I'm actually going with Travis Kelsey. And it's not for anything that he wore, anything that he, you know, was was rocking. It's actually for what he said after the game. And that was, know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. And I know that you know that I'm a big wrestling guy. Quoting yes, Wayne The Rock Johnson there, talking about the Cincinnati mayor, you know, saying all this stuff about how it's Burrow, Burrowhead, and stuff like that, you know, how he already won, and, you know, they need to take a, take a DNA test to see if he's Patrick Mahomes' father. I love Burrow, and I, I, I said that last week, and I love everything that happened in, uh, with Cincinnati. Um, but the players on the Chiefs, you know, have to have that in their mind and have to be fired up with that. And uh, Travis Kelsey with one of the all-time best quotes uh, in the post game, right there. I loved it, and I, I love Travis Kelsey. He's a fun guy, and it's going to be the Kelsey Bowl, which we'll talk about later as well. Yes, talk about it plenty this week and next, and the week after. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Uh, we're gonna go on to our players of the week. I'll start us here. I told you what my player of the week was going to be yesterday. And this is kind of a joke player of the week, but I needed to do it. So when this episode is posted, it's going to be Groundhog Day. Well, I hate You're going to like my player of the week, by the way. I hate it better. It better not be Phil. It better not be Phil. It totally is. Keep talking. All right. Well, my player of the week. I don't know if you, I mean, I know you haven't seen the movie Caddyshack. The listeners Actually, out there. Actually, maybe I should go first. I think I should go first. All right, you go, you for, go, for you go. We'll stop, here. we'll stop, we'll stop. I'll come back to it. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, my player of the week is Punxsutawney Phil. No, no. <laughs> you just want to put him on the graphic. At the at the time of this uh, of this episode being uh, published, it'll be Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day to all the all the listeners out there. I hate Punks Groundhog Day. Um, year one twenty or my mistake, year one thirty six in this league for Punxsutawney Phil. Still at the top of his game. The best to ever do it. No competition. Talking to my roommate Trevor today. There is nothing more on my bucket list that I want than to be in Punxsutawney, Philadelphia, or Pennsylvania. Sorry, I'm not that stupid. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. And I want to see Phil with my own eyes. I want to see that little groundhog get lifted up at 7.25 a.m. on February 2nd. Doesn't matter the year. I want to see him up in the air. I want to see that shadow. I don't even care about the shadow. He doesn't need to see it. I love it. I'm all over it. I'm skipping class tomorrow to celebrate Groundhog Day. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that part. I love it. Punxsutawney Phil. Player of the week. I've got two classes. Either way, they're not at 7.25 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hate Groundhog Day. So I'm going with someone that's better than Phil. Uh, I know, you know, I, I was saying this before. I don't know. If, I know you haven't seen the movie Caddyshack. I need you. I need to ed- educate you on that. But if the listeners have Caddyshack, great movie, hilarious, a classic. Well, there's one character in that movie that is absolutely fantastic, and that's the dancing gopher. And I showed you the video of him yesterday. I liked it. Hilarious. He's hilarious. And, you know, when you got Kenny Lodgins singing I'm All Right at the end of the movie and he's just dancing to it, he starts swinging his hips and, and, you know, moving his shoulders. I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, I just had to give shouts to the dancing gopher because he's so much better than Punxsutawney Phil. I hate Groundhog Day. They can both be great. I hate Groundhog Day. I will never support it as a holiday. Why do you hate Groundhog Day? What is there to hate about? Groundhog Day is such a lie. It's such a scam. Spring comes on the same day every year regardless. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It does not matter. (laughs) It matters to me. No, it's such a lie. It's such a lie. I like Phil. The movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray is kind of funny, though. Yeah, of course it is. Oh, Bill Murray, also also in Caddyshack. Yeah, yeah, Caddyshack, yeah, yeah, yeah. His biggest enemy is the dancing gopher. (laughs) Uh, We're going to move on here. We're going to the NBA, and, uh, you know, we're heated. I'm heated. Talking about the all-star game starters here. Um, Joel Embiid absent from that list. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how that's possible. I just talk on a podcast from time to time. I'm a student. I watch some basketball. I don't get it, though. I don't know how he's not starting at all. Let me read some stats for you, all right? In the month of January, Joel Embiid averaged 34.9 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game on 54.6% shooting. No one, and I mean no one, has averaged those numbers in a single month since Moses Malone in February of 1982. So you're saying that's pretty good? Oh, it's pretty great, if you ask me. Um, Joel Embiid should have been the second highest vote getter in the entire East. There's no question about that. Um, I'll talk about this in a second, Embiid facing off against Jokic. Right now, I don't care what you say, he's the MVP. If you watched that performance last Saturday, he made Jokic look silly, like, it was it was hilarious. He he hit a step back three on him at the end of the game, and I just loved it. I ate it up. Um, but no, Joel Embiid deserves it just as much as ever as everyone else does, and he deserves it more. That's not to say the guys that are starting don't deserve it, but Embiid deserves it more and a lot more. His team right now is the second seed in the Eastern Conference simply because of him. I think there's only one game in the past like ten or fifteen games that he scored under 30 points and he still scored 25. Um, And that was during their West coast stint when he went out uh, to the West coast Um, and beat is putting up numbers like crazy right now. And he's so dominant on the floor. 
he is starting to get more love this season, but it's almost like people don't shed a light on him because he's just so used to doing it now over the past two years, which is which sucks. Which is also kind of weird considering Jokic has done the exact same thing for the last two years. And yet exactly. MVPs. Um, yeah, I picked Embiid to win MVP. I think he you could, you have a very strong case for MVP right now. Um, definitely the better player in the matchup against Denver. I don't know if I'd go as far to say that he made Jokic look silly. Jokic put up twenty four eight and nine. Jokic was getting Jokic. Game. Jokic in the Jokic only scored I think five points in the second half. He had a solid game though. I just wouldn't. Oh, go it was as a far solid game, but also yeah. PJ Tucker was locking him up in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, Embiid, Embiid was the better player on the court. Showcase, that's his 47, game, 47 points and 18 rebounds, might I add. 100%. But I just, I just, I don't know if I would go as far to say silly. 24, 8, and 9 is not a bad game. Maybe for Jokic's standards and on the stage of being able to knock out Embiid and showcase who you are and truly prove your MVP caliber. But I'll send you the video of Jokic or of uh, Embiid hitting the step back three on Jokic. Looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> Just got to send that out there. Um, LeBron is inching closer to the all-time scoring record. I believe he's a little over 100 points away. Right? Yeah, going to be a big day for the King. Uh, yeah, um, he, he might get it before the All-Star break. They're planning on making all of All-Star weekend about him if that does happen, um, which is going to be kind of weird because he's not it's even going to retire extra. for it's three. Retiring. That's, that's my point, is that he's not retiring for at least three more years. So Bronny like, that far out? There's only Bronny, two. Bronny will get drafted. Okay, so two and a half years. Because okay. Bronny will get drafted in a year and a half. And then he'll He's sign four. with the team that Bronny's on. Four? Yeah, right? He'll be in the 2024 draft, Bronny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just making yeah. sure. Didn't yeah. mean to trick you with numbers or anything. No, 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 you're good. Um, Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen. But... I want to talk about his reaction to the Boston game last week. And I want to hear your thoughts on this because we actually didn't even end up talking about it. Um, it, well, it's a foul. 100%. Oh, that's not, the, that's not my argument. Foul. Yeah. But <laughs> my thing with sports and referees and replays, and we're in the year 2023 and you have more technology than ever. Obviously there are players that like fake things and try and sell it in order to get a call. But I've never seen LeBron act like that much of a lunatic after not getting a call. And if I'm the referee, regulation just ended. You've got time. Would it kill you to just watch the replay? It'll literally take 30 seconds. Like, I know that's not in the NBA rule book, but maybe you should add it to the rule book where all you need to do is watch one clip. And you can see that it's a foul and give the poor guy his free throws. And it's not even just in the NBA. We see it a bunch in the NFL when a team rushes to the line after a quote catch. We saw it on the first drive of the NFC championship with Devontae Smith on fourth and three. And obviously Philadelphia was going to win that game regardless, 31 to seven final. But after Devontae Smith came down with that ball and Jalen Hurts is calling hurry up, get to the line, snap the ball. If you're the referee, it's clear the team doesn't think they caught it. It, it wasn't. It wasn't even. It wasn't even Hertz that was saying get to the line. It was Smiths. I've never seen and a receiver. Yeah. I've never seen a receiver get up that quickly and call everyone to the line, and just get the playoff like completely fine. Like everything went crisp that way. Like that could have easily. That could have just swung the beginning of the game, and maybe Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt. Either. It and didn't like, even catch. I don't know. It. San Francisco would have the ball at the forty yard line, and we can talk about the alternate dimension where the play calling is different, and Brock Purdy doesn't tear his UCL because of that. I don't. I don't say, we'll, I don't get, get, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. I don't but. need to get into that part. Um, but either way, just with with sports in general, when it is so obvious that a player is demoralized by a call that they didn't get, or they're purposefully trying to get away with a call. It'll take 30 seconds. Why can't you just stop, look at the play, get it right, carry on with your day? I don't get it. And I'm sorry to LeBron and the Lakers because it's just stupid. All right, I've got like three or four things, and I'll go I'll, I'll go through them quick. First thing, Pep, Patrick Beverly's a dog. He had the last five points to get them into this position, uh, to get them <laughs> to this tie game. He had a putback dunk. 
But also after the after the play call, when he brings out the camera to try to show the refs what happened, he brings it onto the court. It shows them. Yeah, that was almost that, was, that awesome. was almost my drip of the week. But I couldn't keep <laughs> because I did him last week and I can't keep doing it or else he's just going to be drip of the week every week. So that's one two, LeBron. All right. I get it. It was a foul. It's going to overtime. The game is not over. You completely Fair take point. your team out of it when you react that way. You you're demoralizing the entire team and making them feel down going into overtime. And I I don't think they scored a single point for like two minutes going into overtime, which like they, they could have completely had the momentum going in, but there was not like they couldn't because LeBron had like had ruined it. But three, I agree with you. I think if, uh, if it comes down to a call like that, especially it's going to overtime, you have time to look at that. You could easily put time on the clock and let them shoot a shoot a foul mm-hmm. shot. I don't understand totally. why it always needs to be a coach's challenge. Like the re- the officials are there to get the calls right, are they not? You're gonna put them on the court, have them not call a foul, and then they also can't take a look at it. Although we have replay review and everything nowadays, it makes no sense. And like you said, going back to the NFL as well, like that whole that play at the beginning of the game, like whatever like you could say hypotheticals all you want but it could have completely changed the, the the way the game went um so i don't know like i think officiating has come to the point where within the last two minutes you can't challenge something is very stupid and when the regulation ends like you can't ask them to take a look at it that's dumb and there were even plays in the syracuse game which like i don't want to keep going back to that but there were plays over and over again where they could have totally went and looked at it but they just uh-huh. didn't there was a play where the yeah. dude Literally walked. He took four steps with the ball when Judah Mintz was on the ground, and they did not call a walk. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand what happens in, in those scenarios or what the officiating is thinking. Like, I get there's rule books and handbooks you have to follow, but to an extent, there's a reason we have replay review now, and we're lucky to have replay review. Why do we not use it? I like that. I like all your points, and they're all accurate. And, like, with with the challenge thing across – pretty much every sport it's just stupid that in crunch time you can't use it like the most important time exactly when you should be able to use it you can't and my last comment on this topic and then we can move on quickly back to just the nfl incorporating referees with kyle shanahan why on earth is he going to challenge that five minutes into the game that's idiotic that's because not if, his if job he, if he stupid. loses if he loses it he doesn't have another one as well exactly which like i that's get it once you stupid. once you see the replay you're like oh that was blatant like obviously that would get called back but still like you don't want to risk losing your timeout at the first drive of the game yeah 100 idiotic <laughs> uh golden state out of the play-in it's kind of it for them. Um, they've been hanging around that eight to ten spot, but they're finally on their their climb back, their comeback. Yeah, they're up to the five seed right now. They've won three straight. Also helps that the entire Western Conference is breathing down each other's necks, minus uh, Memphis and Denver. They're separated from the one and two seed, but third to twelfth place in the entire Western Conference is a four and a half game difference. Yeah, if they if they lose if they lose a game, they'll be back in the play in. Um, so it's very interesting seeing where everything's at in the West right now. New Orleans, I think, was in the, at the five spot last week, and now they're all the way down to the ten. And yeah. the first two, the first three teams out of the play-in are also only a game or two back from New Orleans, and then San Antonio and Houston are clearly just tanking for Wembenyama. But <laughs> you look at these, like the entire West from three all the way down to thirteen, are within basically like six games of each other. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting coming out of the all-star break. We have it coming up in, I believe it's a, a week or week and a half, two weeks. Yeah. We'll see. Probably two weeks. I think two weekends. Two weeks. Yeah. Because it's after the, it's after the Super Bowl, the weekend after. The same weekend. Super yeah. Bowl. Uh, well, we've got some big news in the NFL from this morning. Tom Brady actually really retiring this time. He's just a weirdo, man. He came back for retires. Because he's a little baby and he didn't get to have his big moment because news got out of him retiring. So he had to showcase to everyone that he's better than them and comes back into the league. Um, I think sets the record for passing attempts in a single season. Goes eight and nine in the worst division in football. Loses in the first round to the Dallas Cowboys. And then he retires. Um, 
I don't. Best good for be, him. Best birthday gift ever. My twenty first birthday, I could say, was the last day Tom Brady ever played in the NFL, and that's nice. He got forced into retirement by the Dallas Cowboys of all people. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty hilarious. Um, no, but Tom Brady obviously leaving behind a great legacy. Yeah. Um, all those achievements, his accolades, everyone knows. Greatest quarterback of all time at this point yeah. with everything, and there's no disputing that. Uh, but just I agree with you. I don't. I didn't see a reason for him to come back. He had everything last year. It was the perfect time, but he got it. mad because other people got it out. So it really doesn't make any sense to me. But great career, um, <laughs> great announcement today. Obviously, he said last year he had this whole. I like the announcement this year. Script. Yeah. Well, I liked it. I liked it because he made was him like seem likable. Yeah, and he was also like. Yeah, I already put it out last year, so like I'm not gonna write everything all yeah. over again. But just kind like, of like thanks. Curious. It was it was more it was more personable, and he you could already tell he's already enjoying himself, enjoying his off season because he did it yeah. from uh, the beach. He you could hear the waves in the background, you could see him on the sand, and he's just chilling there. So early in the morning, nice lifestyle for him. Wish yeah, him he's best. enjoying it. He's probably at one of his beach houses down in Florida, but you know <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, not invited to the Pro Bowl, though. We're going to go into the Pro Bowl. All the AFC Pro Bowl quarterbacks were announced this week. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's all I got to say is Trevor Lawrence because the next two up, awful, which also Tyler Huntley was selected before Trevor Lawrence was selected, which was also awful. Um, But then you get put in Derek Carr. Like, you have so many people in the AFC that you can put in there. I want you to go first because I ha- I I feel – I have a very long anecdote that I want to talk about about athletes and stuff with the Pro Bowl and stuff. Yeah, like I know you, you do. Go first. You go first. Um, you one, you can't have two quarterbacks from the same team both be on the same list. Like with Lamar Jackson, obviously not playing, and Tyler Huntley. Lamar, quite frankly, shouldn't have be, shouldn't have even been eligible for the Pro Bowl. There should be a minimum. You have to play 12 games or something. Tyler Huntley passed for two touchdowns games. the entire year. But yeah, they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have two from the same team. So get rid of Huntley, get rid of Lamar, quite frankly, as well, because he was injured. He didn't play enough. He didn't meet the threshold, in my opinion. And then you go to Derek Carr, who was benched intentionally for Jarrett Sidham, who removed himself from his football team. And now he's going to represent that team at the all-star game equivalent. Of the NFL, at, doesn't at, make much sense. At their at their home stadium, at their, home, yeah. And even think about that. It's at Allegiant Stadium. On top of all of that, um, my my take with the Pro Bowl, they changed everything up this year, obviously to make it more rewarding for players and try and get them to come. Um, it's not working. That's obvious. And my my thoughts here, they briefly did the AFC NFC one team draft. I think it was like Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice, maybe. I don't Deion Sanders, whoever was yeah. coaching those teams. I like that. And it makes sure that you're not in these situations. Because you look at the NFC, and there's a drop-off, obviously. The three quarterbacks that are going are Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Geno Smith. But then you don't have to drop to Tyler Huntley and Derek Carr. Like, if you have free-for-all, you can put Dak, even if he threw all the picks. You can put, I have bias, Daniel Jones, um, where's Aaron Rodgers? Like things like that. Um, there are plenty of quarterbacks that are more deserving than Tyler Huntley and Derek Carr. And I get the AFC NFC. It's the easiest thing for them. It's more rewarding that way, but I just feel like they could do something better. They could fix it somehow after they've already made all these changes as well. You see, but like all of these young players are going, all of these young skill players are still going to the pro bowl. It's all the quarterbacks like that are opting out for whatever reason, even the linemen and, and O-linemen, D-linemen, they added all these skills challenges, and I love that. I love the fact that it's supposed to be fun, and it's fun for the players, it's fun for the fans. And this is a fan experience as much as it's a player experience, which is where I get mad where players like Josh Allen are opting out to go play golf when the fans clearly voted him in because they want to go to this thing. They want to see their favorite players play, but they decide that they're too selfish. They want to go enjoy their time. I get it. You had a long season. You did, and you deserve your time off. You have all those months off in between. You can't take three days out of your offseason to go celebrate with the fans that supported you the entire year and that want to see you participate in all these fun events and be there and maybe get the chance to even take a picture or have something signed or 
get get to enjoy this in person. The people in Las Vegas or whether they're flying out there to see this experience. I get it. The past couple of years, the Pro Bowl, it's been pretty lame. And that's how it's always been. It was never really marketed as something that's this big, you know, this big game or anything like that. But this is allowing players to go there without fear of injury or fearing anything forward in their career. It's all just about enjoying yourself, enjoying the fact that you were voted into a Pro Bowl because no Hall of Famer has not been to a Pro Bowl. That's also something that a Pro Bowl is supposed to be a high honor, but you're putting guys in like Tyler Huntley simply because guys like Josh Allen want to opt out. This is a fan and player experience, and it gets me mad, and it gets me super pissed off when the players just don't think of it like that. And I get why, but like, I also don't at the same time. Like, you're supposed to be the marketability for your team, and you don't want to show up for your fans. You make a very strong point with the fans voting, and be it that fan voting is only one third of if a player gets into the Pro Bowl or not. But just out of due respect to those fans that got you there, at least do and, what they wanted you to do. And these and these Bills fans, there's so many of them. They talk about Bills Mafia. He talks about how much yeah. he loves Bills Mafia. Well, obviously, when you're playing a game at what is it orchard park or wherever orchard the bill park. stadium is yep. yeah they're like he's not gonna have the chance to go up and interact with all these fans because you're in the pads you got to get ready you know you don't have all this time mm-hmm. this is what the pro bowl is about they have all this downtime because they're not competing in every single event but they have these fans and players on the field you know in the stadium being able to just interact and have fun and get to talk and chat with people like that's what the pro bowl is and that's why it is a thing is because they're trying to reward the fans and reward the players for having a good year, but also allowing the fans to have such a fun experience with an, with the NFL players, with the top NFL players at that. I also, my, my last thing um, that I just would prefer put the pro bowl back in Hawaii. I agree. I agree. There's no no NFL and there's not, not an NFL team in Hawaii, obviously. And of course, just about any NFL player can go to Hawaii in the off season if they want to, but there's not an opportunity for every single premier player to be hanging out in Hawaii together. Um, That's all. I don't mean like they can go to Vegas, they can go wherever they want, but to put them all in the same place, do it in Hawaii. More fun that way. It's unique. It also, it also, you know, like you said, there's no NFL in Hawaii. Hawaii is always a place, you know, it used to always be there. And now you see a lot of Polynesian presence in the NFL Mm -hmm. as well with players like Jordan Mailata, um, What's it? Yeah. You know, there's so many, there's so many people being represented in that culture now as well. I think that's a fun place to have it. And like you said, it's a place, it's almost like a vacation. Like you don't get the chance to go to Hawaii ever. I mean, you probably can your off season, but who's going to, you don't necessarily think you're going to go there or want to go there, but I don't know. It pisses me off. It should be a fan experience and a player experience, but players like Josh Allen take advantage of it too much. I get I get Joe Burrow slightly because Joe Burrow just played in the AFC Championship, but Josh Allen has had two weeks off and knew he was voted into this th- like two and a half months ago. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the well, biggest faces of the NFL. The bad luck for the NFL. Period. Yeah. As well. Throw that into the ring. The, the, top, the top three quarterbacks are not going to be there because obviously one is in the is in the Super Bowl, which is how it should be. And then Burrow opted out because he played this week. I get it. All right, whatever. You you need that time off. But Josh Allen, arguably, like people were saying he was going to be the MVP, was the biggest face coming in here, and he's not going. Whatever. Whatever. Enough of that. Enough of that. I'm excited to see Trevor Lawrence there. That's all I'm excited (laughs) for. Uh, Super Bowl matchups are set. Obviously, we'll talk about what happened this past weekend, Wally. Which one do you? Which game do you want to start with? You want to start with the early window, of course. Yeah, we, we'll we'll go in order uh, of the two. My main takeaway is one: Philadelphia is a really good team, and two: it more just sucks for San Francisco. Um, you can't predict that. You can't predict going into the game having to use a quarterback that um wasn't even on your team until like two months ago, referring to Josh Johnson. And then him getting hurt, and you have to put back in your quarterback who is playing with a torn UCL. Um, again, I don't want to discredit Philadelphia. They've outscored their opponents 69-14 to 14 in their two playoff games. No they've passing been, touchdowns at that. They've been one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best, for the last 21 weeks of the NFL season. They deserve to be in the Super Bowl. It just sucks for San Francisco, and I feel for them. 
Yeah, I've been uh, talking down Philadelphia all year. We both have, I feel like, a little yeah, bit. Um, totally. I I can't really say anything. I mean, they're a very good team. They are a very good team. They had, they've played very well in the playoff, and when it matters, they're there. They've showed up. But also, you can't really predict what's going to happen with San Francisco. Like, uh, like George Kittle said, it's shitty. You know, it sucks that you don't have a quarterback in that game. And at yeah. that, you don't end up having your backup also goes down. And Christian McCaffrey has to throw a pass when you're already out of the game. I don't know why they did that so late as well. But really, the game plan was so hard. You know, when your quarterback tears his UCL mid-game, there's no... You can't you know, prep for that. Yeah, you can't oh. predict that. And it, it sucks. But, um, you know, I wish that they were able to put up a fight. But Philadelphia... Congratulations on making the Super Bowl. Um, the last time that the Golden State Warriors and Houston Astros won the World Series and the NBA Finals, the Philadelphia Eagles also won the Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens yeah. uh, this year. Gross. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see in two weeks. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a good matchup, though. Yeah, uh, 100%. And that other team that they'll be facing off against, the Kansas City Chiefs. Super Bowl number three in four years. Yeah, what a game and uh, what a performance by Patrick Mahomes. Of course, he's always the guy you got to end up talking about. Um, One thing that I want to talk about, though, is that penalty at the end of the game. Um, I I've, am blanking on uh, the man who hit Mahomes. Yeah. But going, going into the locker room, one of his teammates screaming at him and yelling at this guy because of that penalty saying that it's all his fault. That's not how you, yeah. that's not how you play the game. He's a, he's a 22 year old defensive lineman. Joseph Osai. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A 22 year old defensive lineman. And you know, bad, it's just wrong place, wrong time. You know, he couldn't really stop himself if you watch the play. And yeah. obviously when he hit him, yeah, it was, it was clearly a penalty. I mean, there was no doubt about that, but like, you got to pick your teammates up, man. You can't be yelling at them. He was over on the bench crying, and in the post game press conference, someone else was was with him, not the not the guy DJ that was yelling at him. Yes, former New York Giant was uh, was Young saying man. was saying we like we were here for him, like we are here for him. So you know, great great uh, show of of teammates there, and the Bengals will be back. They've been they've been phenomenal these yeah. past two years. Um, Joe Burrow has been great. And I can't wait to see more of him in the playoffs, except if they're playing the Jaguars, I don't want to see that. Um, but no, I I mean, congratulations to the Chiefs. Again, Andy Reid, that entire organization, fantastic job at getting back to the Super Bowl um, yet again. And they're going to have, they're going to have a lot on their hands. Yeah. And I quickly want to say with Kansas city and Patrick Mahomes, um, Two things regarding Patrick Mahomes. And a lot of people have said this and might be a hot take. Probably isn't a hot take. Depends on who you ask. On the day of Tom Brady's retirement, I think when Patrick Mahomes retires, he's going to be the undisputed GOAT. And I think a lot of people will agree with that. I I Um, will also agree with that. Um... And along with that, I want to say, if Patrick Mahomes retired after February, what day is the Super Bowl? On the 10th? If he retires on the evening or the 12th, if he retires on the morning of February 13th, he's a Hall of Famer right now after Already. playing only five seasons Easily. in the NFL. We are witnessing greatness like no other quarterback ever, despite the GOAT who just won seven rings and has every passing record ever, winning record, blah, blah, blah. Despite him retiring today, Mahomes will be end up being better than that. Well, I mean, you already look at it. Mahomes was was is already getting that treatment, you know. Everyone's saying he lost his top receiver. He's not going to be as good. Well, he's got his Gronk almost with with Kelsey. Yeah, with Kelsey, and uh, forget that. You know, either way, he'll make it happen. And the way that he's already played, he's going to be amazing for years yeah. to come. And I, I I'm with you on that. Actually, I think that he's going to end up passing out Brady as great as Brady is, and as much as people think that Brady is untouchable, Mahomes is absolutely insane and if you don't think so please go watch him the guy the guy please go watch him 
obviously the NFL honors are next weekend. He's going to win MVP. He's got two MVPs and three Super Bowl appearances, reached the AFC Championship all five years. I don't even need to get into the numbers of touchdown passes and passing yards, his winning percentage, everything. And just um, and just the stuff that he does on the field, the no-look passes, yeah. the flips. Like game, He's just so, he's just game, so naturally good. Yeah, everything about him. Uh, it's wild. As, it's wild. As for the Super Bowl itself, um, quickly lead with it being the first matchup of black quarterbacks in NFL history, as we are in Black History Month now. Um, yeah. Phenomenal. Um, and two of the best players, I was going to say quarterbacks, players in the NFL, period. Um, they're going to be first and second in MVP voting, most likely, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Um, it's great. Yeah, it is great, and uh, it'll be a great matchup. I don't want to get... I don't know if we want to get too much into it now because we got we still have a whole week. No, we so I don't want to I don't want to predict it. I don't want to preview just it too much. Story lines, um yeah. just yeah, just some storylines for it. Uh obviously we've got time. Um it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I love Super Bowl Sunday. I can't wait for all the ads. The ads have been kind of boring the past couple of years. You I like the commercials. That, You're one of those people. Well, I hope that they bump them up this year. I think uh I think the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications has a uh brainwashed you a bit into enjoying the advertisements well the super bowl. shockingly i was taking um, i'm taking the super bowl and society class or i was gonna say spm 199 with dennis Derringer. That well is there's a there's a guy we were talking about him this actually yesterday uh and i believe uh, the guy's a newhouse grad i think or is a syracuse grad for sure mm-hmm. um he's directed over like 70 commercials for the super bowl yeah. um so kind of insane but I don't know. I, I like them. You don't like the commercials? I mean, I like them, but I don't get excited about them. I watch the game to watch the game. I don't even watch the halftime show. Oh, come on. No, you have to watch the halftime. I go to the bathroom every year, like growing up when I would watch the game with my parents, the halftime show would come on. I'd go upstairs. I'd hang out for 15 minutes and then I'd come back down. Rihanna's about Rihanna's about to be legendary. Yeah. I'll wa- I mean, now I'll watch it, but like. I don't care about it at all. Well, I, I mean, like Rihanna. There were, there I like was, Umbrella. I there like was, There were some during the 2010s Disturbia. that I did not care for. Like, I didn't watch the Katy Perry one. Left Shark? You didn't watch Left Shark? Oh, man. I know Left Shark, but I didn't watch it. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't like, into it. I was at a party with my family, and I was just kind of talking to them during it and was just like, I, I, I don't really care. I mean, like. I'm not saying Katy Perry makes bad music, but like I just wasn't really like turning hey, into a music Katie Perry halftime. Great. Uh, the the only I mean I don't even think I fully watched the Lady Gaga one, but I just remember the beginning of it. She started off like I think she started off by saying like God bless America or something, and then she yeah. jumped off the top of the stadium and was like crawling down like around. a spider. Yeah, pretty cool. And she jumped off at the end into a hole and caught a football as she jumped. Oh out. really? I don't remember that. I remember that, yeah. Okay. There's well, my there's my Super Bowl halftime uh fan. I was I was just mad because they were gonna do uh the bubble bowl from SpongeBob and then Travis and Scott then I was teased just, it and then it didn't it yeah. he they didn't actually do a sweet victory. I was so mad. Thanks a lot, Maroon Five. Yeah. And we had, instead we had to see Adam Levine with his shirt off for twenty minutes. I like the weekend, not to not to go around to every single one. I like the weekend walking through the the. But we can we can talk about the recent ones. Um, I, the weekend the weekend wasn't bad, but it was also kind of like it was cool. It was weird because it was COVID. Yeah, like everyone tough. like they already had to wear stuff over their faces because of like his set theme, like his whole yeah. his whole theme for that album was like he got surgery on his face or something, or like got into an accident and had surgery on his yeah. face. But on top of that, they had to wear masks, so it was like they were wearing the mask over their white bandages so like they just yeah. look like i don't know they look weird yeah yeah but i i do like uh when he went through the tunnel with all the lights that's, that's a good, what i mean yeah. that's a good it's meme cool. now too yeah uh well i don't know maybe we'll rank the super bowl halftime shows next week yeah that sounds like fun maybe we can do that in the off season i don't think we need to do it while we're actually getting prepped for the super bowl all right all right we'll do it the week after the super bowl yeah, that sounds good. Well, we can we can just decide where Rihanna ranks on our uh, on our list. After. All right, we'll do our top five. Our top five yeah, because you've only paid you've only paid attention to five so far. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, with that being said, Wally. Well, in the meantime, well, while the fans are watching the Pro Bowl, doing whatever, you know, getting ready for the Super Bowl halftime show, where can they find us? 
You can hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram, at Slinging underscore sports on Twitter. That's the number one way to know when an episode drops. I will also say on the graphic tomorrow, there will be two additional, uh, I don't want to say characters, but two additional figures um, on it, the graphic as well as the athletes. The dancing gopher better be on there if Phil two is on. Two additional. If Phil is so on there, then the gopher better be on there. Keep your eyes out. <laughs> and he better be dancing. <laughs> Keep your eyes out. Uh, well, with that being said, thank you so so much for tuning in. We've got a lot more content coming. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. You know, one of the greatest sporting events ever. Um, NHL All Star is this weekend. We've got the. Did I say the Pro Bowl already? No, you didn't. Oh well, the Pro Bowl is oh, coming up as well. Yeah. Cannot wait for that flag football competition that we actually <laughs> predicted on our first episode of the Sling Sports Podcast, which is almost a year out. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. But I do want to say again, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.